You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll continue our Get Closer series with part three. This episode will feature Minister Ruben Morris, who will discuss the importance of continually leaning into, studying, and reflecting on God's Word. Let's get started. Happy Sunday, family. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Sunday morning. TWC family and extended family, wherever you're joining us from around the world, we are so honored to have you. Listen, now you've joined us in the middle of an incredible summer initiative called Get Closer. We're focusing this summer on only one thing, and that is for all of us collectively, every person, every family connected to the worship center to draw closer to God by doing the soap devotion daily and then talking about it with your family and friends. And so I hope that you've already joined this initiative. And if you haven't, it's not too late. All you've got to do is grab your secret place, devotional and journal, do your soap devotion, and then talk about it with your family and friends. Your family and your friends becomes your small group. And so it's been an incredible initiative already, but we're just getting started and it's going to get better and better. Now, to coincide with our summer initiative, we're also doing a Get Closer teaching series where, where I, along with our teaching team, are sharing every Sunday morning from the scriptures for that day's soap devotion. And I'm super excited because on today, Minister Reuben Morris is going to share the word of God with us from today's soap devotional reading. So get ready to receive this incredible message from Minister Reuben Morris. Would you receive him now? Good morning. It's such a distinct honor and pleasure to be before you this morning. Uh, I'm so excited about the opportunity to share my soap devotional with you this morning. If you are just joining us in this series, we're spending the entire summer growing closer to God. And we're doing it in a very intentional way, utilizing the acronym SOAP. That's scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And let me tell you, uh, family, I've just wrapped up my quiet time with the Lord this morning, and God spoke a rhema word to me today. I'm so, so excited to share with you. So let's go, family. Let's grow closer. Our uh, scriptures for this morning were 2 Kings chapter 13 and 14, 2 Chronicles uh, 25, and 2 Timothy, the third chapter. So the scripture for this morning, uh, we're going to take from uh, 2 Timothy again, third chapter. We're going to start with verse 14. I'm going to read it from the ESV and it reads, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Listen, if we were uh, all in the church house together, I would say the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, Let's build some context around this particular text uh, this morning. And again, this is the observation phase of your soap. And uh, this, is, this is an epistle written by the Apostle Paul. And by the time Paul wrote this, 
second letter to Timothy, uh, the young pastor, had been ministering to the church in Ephesus for four years. And it had been uh, almost that, that same length of time since he received his first letter from Paul. Timothy had been uh, a faithful servant to Paul since he had left his home uh, with the apostle more than a decade earlier. Since then, Timothy had ministered alongside Paul for the duration of both the, the second and third missionary journeys uh, in places like Troas and Philippi and Corinth. Timothy was not unfamiliar though, to the Ephesians when he settled in Ephesus to minister. Having served there alongside Paul for a period of close to three years uh, in Paul's third missionary journey, Paul wrote to this young leader in the church at Ephesus to provide him with encouragement and fortitude in the face of difficult trials. My, 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 what a blessing it is to have someone that cares about you, that's a mentor, that's pouring into you. So Paul wrote 2 Timothy from a dark and damp Roman prison cell just before his death uh, around AD 67. During this time, uh, the Roman Empire was, you know, kind of on its tail end. Uh, the emperor at the time was Nero. He had slowly was descending into madness. Uh, and since he had came to the throne around AD 54, uh, this process was exacerbated uh, by the great fire that took place in Rome in AD 67 that burned half the city with uh, the residents in Rome in an uproar. Christians became a convenient target for Nero, who used believers as scapegoats for his city's own lack of preparedness. Paul was one of those caught up in the persecution and was beheaded uh, by Roman officials uh, soon after writing this letter. Just the fact that Paul was thinking about his mentee, his protege, uh, his son in the ministry, his disciple at this point of uh, his last remaining time on earth is amazing. This is only a testament to how important it was to Paul that the gospel continue to be preached authentically by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul being in his last days, spent the better part of this chapter talking about the last days. And if we look at uh, verses one through nine in this chapter, they read this. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. And I want you to put a, a highlight or a pin mark by that. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, Whew. lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep in the households, capture weak women, burdened with sin, and uh, led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at knowledge. How are you always learning but never arrive at knowledge of the truth? Just as Janus and uh, Jambreus opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly 
will be plain to all, as was with those men. Family, most theologians and biblical scholars describe the last days as the time uh, between uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and uh, his ascension uh, up until his return. So that was clearly the time in which Paul and Timothy were living, and that's obviously the time that we're living in today. But as we look at this list, it's also a very, very accurate picture of what society values. Listen, when I was a teenager, <laughs> there was no such thing as a selfie. When we think about uh, lovers of self, that's the first thing that came to my mind is this selfie. You can go to any uh, Target, you can go to any uh, outlet mall, and you stop and you see this. You see people taking selfies, almost like it's religious. And you know, when I was growing up, <laughs> we had the Polaroid cameras, and you shake it, uh, you shook it, and that was it. It took you about five minutes to actually see what your photo looked like. And then if you were fancy, you got one of those disposable cameras where you had to crank it, and you had to drop it off at, at the uh, the nearest Walgreens to actually let the film be developed. But the challenge in in the world that we serve in today is that. Narcissism and conceit is the soup du jour, if you will. People being lovers of self and lovers of money, the heartlessness that we see in the world today. You can't even watch the news without hearing about some sort of mass shooting or a brutal killing. There is no question that we are in the end times. But before you go and buy up all the water and all the toilet paper, and dig a hole in your backyard and fill it with cans of uh, baked beans. Let's look at the context surrounding Timothy, the person in which this letter was addressed. Timothy was the, a young pastor. Uh, he was a pastor of the church at Ephesus. Scripture tells us that Timothy was timid, and uh, maybe it was because he was a young leader. He also suffered from some sort of physical ailment, However, Paul saw something special in him, just like God saw something special in Paul. And God saw something special in Timothy as well. In Lystra, during Paul's second ministry journey, he learned that Timothy had an exceptional reputation among the local Christians. And some of you may be asking, man, how can I be used by God? Or what is it that is my ministry ambition? I know that was uh, one of our focus is uh, a week or so back uh, in terms of our soap devotional. And the question I want to ask you is, what's your reputation? <laughs> Let that one bear. Timothy also came from a mixed racial background. His mother was Jewish and his father was Greek. Now, I, I, I know people who come from uh, mixed race backgrounds, and I know, you know, even when I was growing up, you know, some of the challenges that come even amongst the African-American community about complexion and how, you know, you are judged by how you look. And the reality of it is that God ordained and organized our entire lives. And what may seem like a deficit or a challenge or something controversial for some, God uses it as a resource for the upbuilding of the kingdom. 
Because the reality is Timothy's familiarity with Jewish and Greco-Roman culture made him an ideal protege for Paul. So family, you got to think about your experiences, your background. Um, they will all be used. God doesn't waste anything when it comes to being used by God. Now, Timothy's name even means honoring God or precious to God. And these two de designations proved to be true in his life as a disciple. Even from an early age, Timothy put his faith in the Lord. You can go back and look at Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Timothy saw this sincere trust in God first modeled by his grandmother, Lois. And in turn, she imparted that faith to her daughter, Eunice, who has passed it on to their son. Now, listen, you don't get more mama and grandma names than, than Lois and Eunice. But listen, this is clear evidence from Scripture, the value of a strong mother and a strong grandmother. So let me pause for the cause right now and use this as an opportunity to thank God for Betty Morris and Yulia Flanoy Pearson Francis Douglas, my Grammy, who instilled in my heart the importance of studying God's word, the importance of praying. Because let me tell you, Betty Morris, every Wednesday, we were going to be at that kitchen table, me and my brother and my sister, no matter how hungry we was, no matter who was riding bikes outside, we were having family Bible study. But this is how you build the foundation to see how God can use someone in the future. Who, who would have never known, it's certainly not me, that the lessons that I learned will be translated today because I had a praying grandma, my Grammy, and I had a mother who instilled the word of God in me. The same thing was true for Timothy. Timothy grew up in an environment that was distinctively character forming. You have to ask yourself, what environments are we setting for our children? Because let, let me tell you again, missionary youth meeting, uh, CYF for all my CME uh, church uh, folks that are, that are paying attention, uh, Sunday school, vacation Bible school, leadership training school, whenever the church house doors were open, my mother, my grandmother made sure I was there, but that helped to form my character. The same thing we see here with Timothy. And Paul was impressed uh, by all of those character qualities in Timothy. Character is connected to leadership. Now, I know that's not what I'm focused on, but get this. Despite Timothy's uh, mixed racial background, his, he eagerly identified himself as a follower of the Messiah. He had a choice. His father was uh, Greco-Roman. He chose to follow after his mother's example. And not only that, he was impacted by Paul's teaching. So these are the ingredients. This is why this was so important for Paul on his last breath to make sure that Timothy had everything he needed. And listen, let me, let me pause for the cause one more time and say this. There may be somebody watching right now who's asking, man, I didn't have that same background. You know, I didn't grow up as a Christian. You know, my family didn't uh, and make me sit down and study. I never went to church. But can God use me? Or maybe I'm, I'm young or maybe I feel like I'm too old or maybe I'm worried about my past or like Timothy, I'm a little timid. I don't feel comfortable speaking in front of people. Or I'm dealing with a health issue the same way that Timothy was. 
The answer is yes, God can still use you. See, again, man looks on the inside, excuse me, man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. Bring what you do have and God can use it. God will take what man thinks is a hindrance and turn it into an asset. Listen, Paul believed so much in Timothy that in his dying days, it was paramount that he provided his protege with these final instructions. Paul knew that the evil of the day was only going to get worse. Paul saw Timothy as his son. He was his son in the ministry. He loved Timothy like it was his own flesh and blood. And family, I have two sons myself. My oldest son is eight and my youngest is six. And as a father, we want to equip our sons to be successful in life. As a black father, raising black boys uh, in this challenging world is no small feat. Why? Because of everything that was listed at the, uh, in the text at the beginning of this chapter. When Paul uses the word difficult or dangerous to describe the last days in the original language, it actually means perilous. And the, that word uh, can be further broken down into dangerous, hard to deal with, or savage. It's so amazing that in today's culture, you know, to be considered savage is almost a compliment. That really just speaks to how the text is timeless. Now, this same Greek word can also be used to describe the two violent uh, demoniacs uh, that were of Gadara in Matthew 8 and 28. So this suggests that the violence of the last times will be energized by demons. I'm going to say that one more time. The violence of the last times, the last days, the days that we're living in right now will be energized by demons. Go back and look at first Timothy. We'll go ahead and look at first Timothy chapter four, verse one. So what do you say to your sons when you have to send them out into a world entrenched in a demonic? I'm going to tell you, you can't go to the movies without everything being the conjure this or uh, here comes uh, Sally and she's her head turned all the way around backwards and she spits green stuff out or, you know, the the, the devil uh, wears Prada and all of these different stuff. Now, that's not a scary movie unless you just don't like that stuff. But that's the world that we live in. And and family, as a father, all you think about is how can I protect my child? How can I make sure that my child is going down the, the right path? How do I equip my boys to be able to thrive in a world where they're considered a threat just because of the color of their skin? where even the church is either too religious or so aligned with the world, you can't even tell the difference. How do we as believers, even if you don't have kids, just live, lead and work or serve or just function in this fallen world? Here is the solution. Now get this. Now I know some of you all, we're, we're still uh, not in person. 
So uh, I'm gonna need you to tighten that robe up, send somebody to get you a, a pad and a pen. If you're driving, just listen, come back, listen to the replay. Uh, but I want you to really, really get this. Here's the solution. Ground yourself in the word of God. I know you were expecting something that, that rhymes or has a little alliteration, something super, super profound. God can take the simple and do a lot with it. Get this one more time. Ground yourself in the word of God. So let's go into my application to find out how Paul taught Timothy to further ground himself in the word. So here's our text. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing that whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture, not some of it, not just the New Testament, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God, that the woman of God, that the person of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. Now that, that word complete and equipped, it can also be translated Furnished. There's nothing worse than having a pretty house or a nice apartment and you go in there and you got that, that one card table and uh, you got those folding chairs. You sleeping on a mattress with, with, uh, with no box spring. God wants your house to be fully furnished. God wants your spiritual life to be fully furnished. It can look good on the outside and be empty on the inside. Ground yourself in the word. So you're saying that sounds good. Hmm, I get it. But how do you do it? Here's the key. Here's number one. Please get this. Study God's word daily. No, that's right. Study God's word daily. Nothing super complicated about that. Study God's word daily. Timothy had been taught the word of God from the time he was a child. Some people are prone to say, well, you know what? Uh, I've been a Christian for 20, 30 years. I know God's word. I know this. And, you know, I can quote it. And and, in the ESV, NIV, God is still speaking. God is still teaching through his word. You can still garner and study God's word at whatever age. My grandmother, Yulea Flanoy Pearson Francis Douglas, is about... She got two birth certificates, a whole, whole another story. But somewhere around 95, 96 years old, she still asks for her Bible and studies God's word daily. There's still something that you can get from God's word. That's why we are so focused on growing closer all summer long is because we want you to build a habit and a practice and a posture of studying God's word daily. This right here on Sundays, that's not enough. What if you had one meal a week? It may be a good meal. It may be your favorite meal. It may be a, a, a plate full, but once a week is not enough. We have to study God's word daily. Set an appointment, set a time, make it sacred to you where you are studying God's word daily. 
And studying involves reading it. Maybe you need to look at a couple of different translations. Maybe you need to have a commentary. There's so many tools that are available online for you now for you to actually study because that will show what's important to you. Because I'm going to tell you, we make time for what's important to us. You know, many of us, if we're researching, trying to buy a new car, or if we're trying to figure out, you know, uh, a vacation, we'll spend hours on hours, you know, researching and studying. How about we put that same energy to studying God's word? So that's number one, study God's word daily. Second, study the scriptures, but put your faith in Christ. I'm gonna say that one more time. Study the scriptures, study them daily, but put your faith in Christ. So we are not saved by believing the Bible. Go back and read John chapter five, verse 39. But we're saved by trusting the Christ who was revealed in the Bible. I'm gonna say that one more time. We're not saved by reading the Bible. We're not even saved by believing the Bible. We are saved by believing the Christ that was revealed in the text. Family, here's the reality check. Satan, the enemy, he knows the Bible, knows it very well, but he's not saved. Timothy was raised on the Holy Scriptures in a godly home, yet it was not until Paul came and preached a risen Christ in the gospel to him that he was saved. Because this, this whole text this morning talked about religion to a certain extent, where they, they had a form of godliness with no power. And I, I've seen it firsthand. I've seen preachers who can get up and preach and quote whole chapters of the Bible. But when you pull back the curtain and looked at their eye factor, <laughs> plug for Bishop's book, or their personal life, it wasn't in alignment with the word. You can know scripture all day long and still not have the faith that you need to be successful and vice versa. You can have two or three of your go-to scriptures that when all hell breaks out and you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, the faith that you put behind that is where the power comes in. So study God's word daily, family. Study it daily. Study scriptures, but put your faith in Christ. That's how you ground yourself in the word of God. And finally, put God's word into practice in your daily life. Put God's word into practice in your daily life. Now, listen, there was a time when we, you know, many of us aren't back in the church building on Sundays. So we knew that on at least on Sundays, for some of us, we were going to try to practice what the word of God says. There are six other days. And right now we are not in the church building. But God is calling us to have that quiet time, that personal time with them where we're growing closer. That application piece is actually meant for you to apply it to your life. So here's, here's what the text says. Scripture is profitable for doctrine. That's what's right. For reproof, what's not right. For correction, how to get it right. 
and for instruction in righteousness, how to stay right. So what's right, what's wrong, how to get right, and how to stay right. A Christian who studies the Bible and applies what they learn will grow in holiness and avoid many of the pitfalls that we see in these last days. There is so much out there that can get you distracted. As soon as you log on, as soon as you turn on the television, as soon as you walk outside, you are bombarded with the demonic. You are bombarded with lies. You are bombarded with the counterfeit. Because I'm going to tell you, God is a creator. The enemy is a counterfeiter, if that's a word. He counterfeits. He wants to create cheap imitation copies of what God has made in heaven. And if you don't have the word of God in you, you will not be able to discern the difference between what is real and what is straight up foolishness. You've got to study God's word daily. You've got to study the scriptures but put your faith in Christ and you've got to put God's word into practice. That's the whole goal of a fully equipped Christian is to take that and go and serve in the world. Family, when you are grounded in the word of God, you won't be taken by any false fly-by-night fake philosophy of the day. Everything you hear will be filtered through the word of God. The word of God becomes your daily nourishment in a world of fast food. Listen, don't bring no instant grits up in my house. Watch what's, what's what'll happen if you do that. I take my time. You boil that water, you put a little heavy whipping cream in there, you put your salt, you let that stuff cook and you stir it slowly. We don't use a microwave to cook grits. Why is it that we want to use a microwave for our gospel? Listen, family, we have gotten so used to this microwave gospel, we no longer want to take the time to sit down and let the word, let it marinate in our spirit. We want this quick watered down three minute thought of the day. Don't fall for the glamour gospel. I'm going to say that one more time. Don't fall for the glamour gospel. And also don't be so stuck in religion and tradition that you lose your relationship with God. Some of you all may be watching who are members of other churches that may be back in the building. It's okay if I don't wear socks to church. There are people in other parts of the world that wear their dress shoes without socks. It's okay if you don't have a tie on. It's okay if a woman doesn't wear a dress. Listen, we let man's ideas of holiness get in the way of what God's word says. Don't let religion and tradition, that's not grounded in the word, that's grounded in tradition. The world is not getting any holier. We need the word of God. All scripture is breathed out by God. Has your marriage gone a little stale? God can breathe life through his word. Is there a sickness in your body? 
Speak the word of God over yourself and watch God breathe healing into the nucleus of every living cell in your body. Have your finances all but dried up. Speak the word of God over your bank account. Deuteronomy 28, 12 says this. The Lord will open for you his good treasure house, the heavens, to give rain for your land in its season and bless all the work of your hand. And you will lend to many nations and will not borrow. Are you anxious and afraid? Whisper the word of God to yourself. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your Lord, and I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which it pleases and purposes, and it shall prosper in the things that is sent. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Family, there is no problem God's word cannot fix. There is no situation the word of God cannot advise you in. God sent his word to show us the way to salvation, to bring us back to himself. That's why a prisoner on death row used his final moments to remind his protege of what is paramount. We cannot grow closer to God without God's word. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that all scripture was God breathed and inspired by your Holy Spirit, God. So I pray right now that your word will come to life in the minds and the hearts of your people, that we would apply it to our everyday life, that we will carve out sacred time each day, find a special place in our in our hearts, a special place in our homes, that we spend time with you, God, so that we can open up the door so that heaven can invade every area of our life through your word, God. Make your word plain. Help us to rightly divide it, Lord God. Help us to stand in faith in Christ, but understand and apply your word to everything that we do, every situation, whether in the marketplace or in ministry, God, your word is always relevant. I pray now for every person that is watching this word, God. I pray that you would meet them at the point of their need and that you would be glorified in their life and that you would hear and answer every prayer request, said and unsaid, and that people would leave with a changed heart and a different understanding and a knowledge of knowing that your word is always relevant and ready to meet their needs. Amen. Well, family, there's nothing else to be said. Make sure that you've carved out a special time for you to do your own soap devotional so that God's word can multiply in your thoughts, take root in your spirit, and meet your every need. We thank you. We got God bless you. We hope to see you back next Sunday. And if you haven't already, join us at our prayer calls every morning at 7 a.m. where others are sharing their soap devotionals as well. God bless you. Have an amazing Sunday.
We hope you've enjoyed this message from Bishop Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.